Welcome to our podcast series sponsored by Bluestone, where I will be chatting with their Chief Customer Officer, James Angus, about all things Bluestone, as well as emerging trends in the post-COVID-19 lending landscape. Hi, James, and uh, thanks for taking time to chat for me today um, on the second day of November as we go to air on this one. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it is the the first anniversary of Bluestone um, introducing the Prime product to the Australian market. It is to the day, actually. So, um, yeah, a year ago today, we moved into the Prime lending space. We launched our new product street, our new product suite aimed at mainstream borrowers with competitive rates and I think the features that prime customers expect and it's it, it's been a you know a great 12 months it's an it's been an interesting 12 months <laughs> well, I, I guess um I was yeah, gonna say, I state, guess when... stating the obvious it's <laughs> yeah. yeah so so obviously I think one of my my first opening questions uh, for you with regards to this because um it's obviously the fact that most brokers I guess uh, their mindset would be that Bluestone is a player in the alternative lending space, um, and, and not really a prime player. So, so how, how you know have you guys fared since then, basically? Well, I think where where I'll start in my response to that question is is the reason why we decided to to move into prime. Um, we saw prime as just the the natural evolution of Bluestone. As, as as a lender, we'd been operating, as you said, in the sort of near prime specialist space for, for a long time. Um, but what we'd seen over the years was a was an increase in sort of clear credit borrowers, borrowers with sort of more standard, if there's such a word, um, income. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the tightening of the the lending criteria of of the banks if we think about what has changed over the last couple of years with lending criteria and we've we've lived through investment loan caps interest only caps all that sort of stuff uh that sort of created a different you know type of demand for for borrowers with with clear credit and fairly sort of uniform you know income so for bluestone Moving into Prime sort of meant that we could offer a home loan solution for the full spectrum of borrowers, increase our relevance in this changing market. And and one that I don't still don't think a lot of people sort of realise is it was also a big retention, you know, tactic. We we traditionally have had lots of customers, you know, come to us with, you know, credit impairments or or income that can't be documented in its usual way and when those customers uh, have have dealt with their issues their credit has been repaired uh, or they've filed their tax returns and and now can produce those documents they traditionally would go somewhere else and and we would have those customers on our books for maybe a year or two so Mm. having now a competitive prime offering enables us to retain those customers and and help them to you know sort out whatever situation brought them to us you know in the first place and and over time 
as long as they've met some criteria, such as making their home loan repayments on time, you know, we can reduce their rate and 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 move them into a into a prime product. Mm-hmm. And I, and, I, and I think the other obvious one is is much of the market, you know, is prime, and we wanted to play in that larger, you know, part of the market, and that was going to be critical for us to to growing our market share and and becoming a more relevant lender to the brokers and the customers that we work with. Okay, so my my, my follow up on question on that one then is because um, when I was briefly a broker, um, I, I used you guys um, as you were saying before. One of the tactics was kind of using Bluestone as a stopgap, effectively mm-hmm. like a lender. Um, one particular deal, I, I you know I couldn't get a cross line elsewhere because the uh, the client just had too much credit cards. We uh, I, I used Bluestone in conjunction with a credit negotiator, mm-hmm. and we got it below a certain LBR to actually produce the deal. Um, I then, obviously, after I think it was like 13 months, actually I moved that client out. So now as I need to put this delicately because obviously what we're trying to, what we're trying to say here is that as a broker, you're using your knowledge and your abilities to place a client somewhere that they can't go. And then once they are able to move, you'd move them again. Um, and as a broker, you know, you, you well, number one, as a, client you're, you're in great shape right you're going to be um but then as a broker as well you're also getting that um i suppose you can call it that uh, extra um revenue mm-hmm. how does it play in this instance with you guys so uh, are we yeah. looking at yeah good question i mean i think going back to your first question there, there's quite a bit of work we need to do around uh, awareness brand awareness particularly a that Bluestone has a very competitive prime offering and, and brokers and consumers too should not only see us as that sort of near prime non-conforming lender, mm-hmm. but a big part of that brand messaging and the awareness we want to convey is that we are that lender partner that has home loan solutions for everybody, regardless of what stage you know they're at. And I use this concept of what we can do is work with brokers to bring customers in and provide them a solution when they're on the unhappy path. And the unhappy path is the euphemism for they might have credit impairments. They might not have been able to you know, lodge their tax returns and so they need to go down an alt doc path um, or, or uh, there might be some other you know, impairment that, that doesn't mean they qualify for a prime loan. But then what we can do is is we can work with the, the broker and we can work with the customer to actually over time, and we think, you know, traditionally that, that might um, take sort of 18 months to two years to get things in order, is they don't need mm. to, you know, refinance. They don't need to go through another long sort of application process where they've got to provide lot, lots of documents Um We'll be able to sort of obviously monitor their their repayment history. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be able to, uh, you know, work with them to to help them repair whatever credit um, issues you know they've had, um, and then we'll be able to reduce you know their rate uh, accordingly. I think there's a bit of a misconception that even within Bluestone, if I keep the customer with you. And, and mm-hmm. we need to refinance. Um, 
that they need to go through an internal refinance process. We, we, we don't think that really adds a lot of value. Um, mm -hmm. They will need to do that and they will need to provide those documents if they want to move from an alt doc to a full doc. Um, but outside of that, there's a very, think of it as a streamlined process that we can get a customer who may, may have come in on a non-prime product and get them onto a prime rate as quickly as possible. Mm. I suppose comes in line with what we discussed previously where, um, you know, sorry, how far are we away from that sort of situation where if based on the repayment only, um, uh, would you be able to, you know, uh, look, get the clients I, to I, the new product? Yeah, look, I, I, I think we're, we're trying to um, industrialise that, you know, as quickly as we can at the moment, considering that that part of our book uh, of new customers is still relatively small. We're, we're dealing with it as it arises, but I think our strategy is, and this is very much part of a broader retention strategy, is to have a process in place by maybe sort of March next year um, mm -hmm. where it's, it's the, the process from a broker's perspective is, is crystal clear. They know exactly what they need to do in terms of when they're bringing on a customer, what we need to see to get them into prime. And most importantly mm -hmm. is we can make that commitment to the customer at the time they come in on that non-prime product. And to use an example, if they come in on a specialist plus product, um, let's say maybe because they've got, uh, you know, a default of a recent default of say $1,500 or $2,000, you know, we can say to them, okay, well, within two years, um, as long as there's no more uh, defaults and as long as you make your repayment on time with us, um, we can move you to a, rate that is you know closer to prime than than where you are today all right so i'm going to move to a slightly different subject now um it's, it's one where uh, effectively you know dur during the the bulk of this year we've seen it and this is with your competitors here on the prime side um now the sla mm -hmm. uh, the turnaround service levels right um you guys have been consistently one probably two days um, well, most pickups yes. anyway, and, and it, it bugs me that I see um, effectively just probably every day uh, a post bemoaning about a you know turnaround time of another lender when obviously you guys have been there the whole time. But um, I guess from the mindset point of view, um, that the brokers either forgot or wasn't aware that you guys played in the prime space. Yeah, well, it was very much a, a cultural. Um... I guess, aspect of going into prime, you know, I think Bluestone had initially thought of prime as a product. And when I joined, mm -hmm. you know, a year ago, and I guess one of my sort of key deliverables when I first joined was to, was the prime launch was prime is not a product. Prime is an experience. Um, and when we think of what's critical in the experience, it's turnaround times. So, it was a commitment that we all made very early on in the, I guess, the gestation of the, the prime offering that one thing we are not going to acquiesce um, from is the ability to be consistently around that two days in terms of a turnaround time. 
And we spent a lot of time working out what that looks like, um, building forecasts, having resource models, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was a commitment that we made at the very top of the organisation that we are going to be smart around the way we resource. We're going to be very strong from a planning perspective and we're going to execute early to, to make sure that we don't have this situation where, uh, for whatever reason, you know, we're unable to process applications to the expectations of our brokers and customers. I guess also what is interesting, and you and I, I think, spoke about it in one of our previous podcasts, is I think there's a few own goals in the way that lenders end up with SLAs blowing out. And to be clear, we're not just talking about turnaround times on new applications. We're also talking about how you staff up your broker support team so that when a broker calls seeking assistance, seeking a status update, whatever it might be, that you're picking up that phone call within seconds, not, you know, you, you often see some cases now where brokers are on hold for an hour or even longer. It, 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 it's all of that is, 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 and this frustrates me and I know it frustrates, you know, brokers even more so because I think, you know, we're all somewhat tarnished um, by the, the, the lowest common denominator in this industry is when lenders come out with specials, whether it's a cashback, you know, whether um, it's some sort of rate special, and they think they can manage that with the staffing that they have, meaning they're not prepared to um, employ people or staff up for that peak that evidently is going to, to, to come. Um, and and that's a game we're just not prepared to, to, to play. Um, we don't think we need to offer some sort of gimmick or some, some short-term benefit to earn the right to do business with our brokers. We, we want to earn the right to do business on, on a foundation that's sustainable. Um, mm -hmm. And I think at the moment, it's interesting that that sustainable foundation for us is, is the consistency in turnaround times. Um, mm -hmm. It's knowing that we're going to be competitive from a, a rate perspective. It's knowing that Bluestone will take the time to understand the customer's situation. You are working with credit underwriters that will talk to you, that will happily pick up the phone and discuss the application with you if there's something they're uncertain about. Um, mm. and, it, and it's that yep. people first type culture that we think will be that sustainable advantage for us. Um, as opposed to, which is quite ironic that you're coming out with something special to generate business but yes that um, mm. may generate business to you in the short term but the sad thing about it is when you see where some of the turnaround times are today is you're not going to be thought of for the special and whatever you may have given the customer at that point of time you're going to be remembered for how bad the service was you know dur during you know that that period so um, we're, we're going through an interesting process now. Um, you know, our volumes uh, are increasing significantly. If we look at our volumes over the last sort of couple of months, you know, we're, we're increasing sort of 40 to 50%, you know, month on month. Um, and we're, and mm -hmm. 
I suspect, you know, this month we'll be back to where we were, uh, you know, pre-COVID. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of work has gone in behind the scenes around staffing, around training our staff, um, keeping them up to speed with all our policy changes. Um, you know, we have some some external people helping us to be as, as efficient and effective as we can. Uh, and we're also investing a huge amount of money to replatform the organisation to ensure that our uh, turnaround times and the service that we deliver today, you know, is sustainable for the long, 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 you know, term. And we are operating on some legacy technology today. Um, you know, we're spending millions of dollars to, to replace that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that project is well underway now and we expect to go live sort of towards the end of um, first quarter, you know, next calendar year. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I just want to touch on on, on in terms of what you also announced uh, the last time we spoke as well, which was the uh, the ninety percent no LMI for Brisbane, sorry for Melbourne and Sydney postcodes. Yes. Um, now you came out with also a very fantastic rate on those things too, um, and to also see your turnaround times haven't been affected that that is by itself. Uh, I think uh, you guys need a, a pat on the back for that. Um, because outside of the, you know, the uh, the posts about SLAs, there was also the posts about who offers no LMI or no risk fees for um, LVRs of that nature. Yeah, look, and, and uh, again, I think it just goes back to, you know, to planning. I think we, I mean, part of my sort of mandate and my experience is, is you get a feel for, you know, when you make these changes, you know how brokers going to respond to it, and plus you do a lot of a lot of work prior to launch, and I think that's something that Bluestone is doing very differently today versus the Bluestone of old. Is is brokers have a seat at the table when we make decisions around sort of products or policy, and we do that a couple of ways. Um, we do that through through our quarterly NPS, where we go out to brokers quarterly and ask them, you know, for feedback. We do it through our broker advisory groups and, and we do it every day when we're having conversations, you know, with our brokers. And so we're, we're, we're testing ideas and we're sort of saying to our brokers, hey, if we came out with a 90% no LMI product, um, you know, how do you think that, that would go? And, and the rate is an interesting one because you may recall when we first launched 90% no LMI in Sydney and Melbourne, that the, the rate had a four in front of it. I think from memory, it was 409. Um, and brokers said to us, eh, 409, it'd be great if we could have a three in front of it. We think if it had three in front of it, yeah. we'd be able to sell a lot more. Um, uh -huh. and, and so we did a bit of work on that. And, and here we are today at, at 359. And, and, the take-up of that has been fantastic. Um, and I think we're only a week or two away from, you know, making that product available in, in Brisbane. So we'll have 90% no, wow. Milo, no risk fee available in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, mm -hmm. And we have actually a, a number of other 
policy changes, you know, underway that again will be in a position to probably release to market in the next week or two that I think just gets us closer to, to, to some of our competitors in, 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 in the way that um, they're taking care of their, their prime customers. That's not a problem, Ned. Um, so also, regards to your dog, because at the end of the day, we're in a, we COVID, in a COVID situation. situation. Everybody is working from home. He's waiting for his walk, so. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll try no, to wrap no, it up no. quickly good. then. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, um, okay, so on, uh, I suppose, more of a, I want to say it's segue, but um, we did mention in the past, well, you did mention that you're looking at construction yes. as well. Um, and then, so obviously, today we're kind of talking about your prime products. And with most lenders that offer prime products, I guess I'm going to go, um, uh, the, the obvious question will be, you, will you be looking at other things? Similar to construction you were talking about before, will you be looking at asset finance? Will you look, be looking at commercial even? Um, I, don't, I don't think we'll be looking at asset finance because you may be aware that, uh, partner Cerberus Capital acquired um, what was Access Today about a year or a year and a half mm. ago. That's been rebranded mm-hmm. to to Angle. So um, we think of it. We ha- we actually have a sister, you know, business that is that is in that asset finance space. So I think the opportunity there, when they're ready, is to you know is to work uh, more closely, you know, with them. Um, on that, um, mm-hmm. Bluestone did many years ago have you know a commercial product, and 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 what we're looking at from a product development perspective is really driven by where our brokers are you know are telling you know us there is a need. There as we mm. talked about before there are a couple of a definite uh, opportunities in the more traditional residential space, such as a construction loan that is very much on the roadmap for us. We've done quite a bit of work on that already. Um, it's definitely a space we want to get into. And and the reason why we want to get into it is clearly there is a rise in demand for construction lending or construction loan products. But we mm-hmm. think there's an opportunity for us to, to sort of, I don't want to say revolutionise because that's a very strong word, I think an opportunity for us to do the whole post-settlement drawdown, you know, piece a bit better than than a lot of lenders that are in that space today. We we're going into it with fresh eyes. We don't have any of the legacy to deal with, so we think we can come out with a a drawdown process that is that is a lot more user friendly for both brokers, you know, and customers. Mm. We did we we have looked at some other areas, um, unregulated. Lending has been a, a has been an interesting space over the last year or so. A lot of brokers are going down the unregulated path as a first option, as opposed to a to a last option, and that's one that we've had um, a bit of a, a bit of a look at. It's not an easy one to to jump, you know, into, and and it's a completely different set set of expertise and. And so on. So it's one that we'll continue to, to explore. Um, commercial is one that we will take a look at. You know, next year I think there is an opportunity to come out with a small com- ticket commercial, you know, product that is process similar to a home loan. So it's a 
you know, largely a low doc type or an alt doc type, you know, lend that can be lodged online that has a simple, you know, credit, you know, criteria. And this is for, um, you know, people that are wanting to buy the building they work out of, whether it's a warehouse, whether it's retail, whatever it might be. Um, oh. And we've also talked about at a very high level, um, potentially getting into the unsecured space. Um, and I think this is what's quite unique about our organisation and, and the parent we have in Cerberus is there's deep, you know, expertise uh, across many different lending verticals. We, we can, we can mm -hmm. tap into that expertise. We've got a great broker base who are helping us to guide us where the opportunities are. And, and if we think we can come out with a different product offering that is in demand and we can do it better than the incumbents, then we'll absolutely uh, put the resource resources behind it, um, and and come out, you know, with that product offering, and maybe a, a different way for me to put a perspective on that. We're actually recruiting now for a for a head of product. You know, we want somebody um, to to come into Bluestone to own the product roadmap, uh, to to bring their their expertise and experience, you know, in and 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 to help guide us. Around the things we need to do to to successfully de deliver some 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 new products and some new features. Well, there you go. Okay, um, that, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so I'm going to ask you a few things now because um, you know it, it is the uh, the sorry the Monday before the first <laughs> oh. of the month, so the Tuesday of the month. Um, so th there's two things I'm going to ask you now. So also because it's November. So number one, uh, who do you think is going to win the Melbourne Cup? Uh, number two, what do you think the uh, Reserve Bank's going to do? Uh, well, one is 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 a lot more important to me. A lot of those people that that know me well know I'm a racing man. I I own quite a few you know race horses, and yep. um, mm -hmm. uh, Melbourne Cup is always uh, a very you know interesting day. And I think um, this year it's a particularly tough race, and the reason for that is is twofold actually is is the COVID situation has has sort of ranked ha havoc a bit you know with with racing it's it's really changed mm. the schedule and the, and the way that horses can come into Australia and 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 participate in the lead-up races so I don't think a lot of the European stayers are going to be as strong you know this year as they were in previous years because they just haven't been able to get here early and um, and get the miles under the legs the other thing is the weather. Um, the weather, as you know, in the last couple of months has been atrocious. And so what you've seen is that a lot of horses have been performing on wet tracks leading into the Melbourne mm -hmm. Cup. And tomorrow it's going to be a very firm you know, track at, at Flemington. Um, mm. For those that are, that are interested, I'm probably going to steer you into, into two horses. Um, the, the first is Tiger Moth, uh, one, one of the European Horses is a very capable um, horse that can definitely run a peak tomorrow and and win the race. Um, the other one, which is a favourite of mine, is you know is Finch. Finch is another sort of younger stayer, lightly raced, nineteen starts. Um, um, a very very tough horse, uh, and I think it's 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 one that will definitely be in the finish. So I think for those that are looking for a bit of guidance, um, 
I think uh, you can't go wrong by backing Tiger Moth and Finch. And for those that are looking for a bit of value, Twilight Payment is the value runner for me. Um, there you go. go. Uh, uh, I, now, now, now I've got to uh, get this ready to, to, to basically broadcast as soon as possible. Then. <laughs> um, on to your second question. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, all roads sort of suggest and, and the Bush Telegraph suggests that the RBA is going to lower rates uh, tomorrow. I think what's going to be very interesting is is what banks do on their back books. I think we're already we're already starting to see banks reduce rates for new customers. We're, we've seen a number of lenders uh, reduce their rates by ten basis points. So that sort of suggests that we'll see the market in terms of new rates probably level out at around that sort of two four nine two four eight. Um, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what banks do and lenders do with their with their back books. I mean, arguably today, because of where you know rates are, because of how banks fund their lending books, that there is really little influence um, the cash rate will have on actual funding costs. Um, and I just don't think banks have the ability to reduce their deposit, uh, you know, rates any further than, than what they have. So that kind of suggests that some banks sort of may not pass on, uh, you know, rates tomorrow, but it'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens over the next couple of days, you know, after the RBA um, makes their announcement. Um, I think the good thing is, though, for new customers, I think they can expect to see, um, you know, rates come down again. You know, possibly another another ten basis points or so. Um, and as as we chat, we um, I'm always, I suppose, you, you know, looking up for what your what your thoughts are and updates in terms of what the lending scene is going to be, right? So we've I've seen in the news as well. There's some article pieces saying that the recession's over. We're, you know, we we see chatter about the rates doing what they're doing. How do you sort of see the overall picture? Do you think things are improving or do you think it's, um, I suppose, a, a false start in a sense because we're coming to Christmas, people traditionally spend round about now anyway? I think if we just go to one important uh, measure around um, the unemployed or the jobless, there's, there's still, you know, I think 2 million Australians that are, that are with jobs. It's one in seven, you know, workers, highest it's ever been since the Great Depression. So I think, you know, that needs to change before we can say uh, a recession is over. I think the other thing that is still very um, relevant is there's still a lot of support being provided um, by the government um, and that, that support is things such as job, you know, and and so on. Um, we may look, you know, we, mm. we, we may, we think of the technical definition of a recession, two consecutive quarters of negative growth, that, that may change. But I think if you sort of peel, peel that back um, and look at actually what's going on, I think there is still a lot that needs to, needs to change. And for me, the one that I'd be looking for would, would be that, that jobless rate 
you know, to change and for more Australians that are looking for work to find gainful employment. And I think that will, will take time. Well, James, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, and thanks for the tip as well uh, on the horses. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, uh, you I'll let you know how I go tomorrow on those ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, but uh, no, thank you for your time yeah, again. Been, and uh, let's speak to you next month. Good luck to all of those that are going to have a little flutter on, on Melbourne Cup Day. It's as on our racing calendar. I know it's a, a holiday in, in Victoria, so everyone enjoy that. And no doubt, Dan, we'll talk again soon. It's fine. Absolutely. Thank you.